Morning. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, I'm excited because I have um, a word that I believe is from God. I have three words that are from God, which I'll get into them in a, in a sec. Um, but I'm, I just want to just mention just how exciting the times that we are living in right now are. Like we, we are living in, in, in such an exciting time. And uh, Jesus re- rebuked the Pharisees for, for not being able to recognize the seasons and the times that they were living in. But, but we're not like that. We recognize the seasons and the times that we're living in. And we're living in an awesome time. We're living in an exciting moment in the history of, of our world. Um, it's exciting for the church because of, of what heaven is about to and what heaven is releasing and doing through the church. Um, I think a lot of people are like hoping and, 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 and praying, or a lot of Christians have gotten used to hoping and praying for like a revival and, and, and that kind of thing, and that is awesome. But I believe that God has something even greater than revival uh, just ahead of us. Um, that we're walking into and stepping into and journeying towards. And, and that's actually the revealing of our identities. <laughs> it's even more powerful than a revival, is, is when like the sons and daughters of God recognize who they are. Isn't that awesome? Uh, and we're, we're, we're journeying towards that that day bit by bit the the revelation is unfolding and 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 i believe that we're starting to get it bit by bit but man you'll know when the church has got it you'll know when the church has got it because the world the world will know when the church has got it because in 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 rome i don't think i've ever gotten up here and not said this scripture it's so in me (laughs) i'm living for this day but it says that all creation is groaning and yearning and waiting for the manifestation, for the revealing of the sons and the daughters of God. All creation is waiting for that moment, waiting for that time when the church gets it. It's greater than a revival because what happens is you become a walking revival wherever you go. You become a walking awakening. And that's the day that we're living for. And, and right now we're just in an exciting season. I don't know if you recognized it, but the atmosphere is full of miracles this morning. I just wrote something down this morning while we're worshiping and it's leading into what the word is. And it's, it's, it's now, now is the time for miracles, supernatural interventions, impossible turns of events, fulfilled promises, 11th hour victories, unfathomable favor, and out of this world wisdom and strategies. Now is the time for that. It is time for that. And the key is in these three words, which is my message. Wait, trust, rest. (laughs) Wait, trust, rest. And that requires a position of surrender. So exciting. And so that's what we're talking about. And, and on, on miracles and, and, and expecting things to break out, I, Chris Valadin says something which is like, 
hilarious, but he's got a really good point. And it's everyone wants to see a miracle, but nobody wants to need a miracle. <laughs> everyone, who wants to see a miracle? Everyone wants to see it, but not many people want to need one. But church, guess what? We're in a time and we're stepping into a time and a season where we're going to need them. And that is exciting. It's not scary. It's exciting and it's awesome because we get, we get to see something that we couldn't have seen in our own strength and on our own ability. We actually get to, like the, the, the apostles lived a lifestyle where they needed miracles. And then all through the book of Acts, what do we see? Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And I believe part of the key is because they were standing exactly where God had them to stand, like standing smack bang in the middle of their purpose and their destiny. And in that place, you're going to need miracles. In that situation, you're actually going to need the power of God. You're actually going to need the 11th hour victory. You're going to need the intervention. You're going to need like unimaginable favor. And that's the life that we're actually called to live. That's what God has in store for you. It's exciting. It's not scary. It's not like something that you want to back down from. It's something that you want to embrace and go after. Hallelujah. And, uh, and so I believe that God's equipping the church and preparing them to live that life, to live that lifestyle. And so I'm going to quickly, uh, so that's what we're talking about today is weight, trust, rest. And Fergus touched on, on weight when he preached a couple Sundays ago. And, and it just exploded on the inside of me. I just got so excited about it because it's so, it's so what the Spirit is doing right now. It's so what he's teaching and what he's imparting into the body. And he really wants us to get this. He really wants us to learn this. I feel like that the better that we learn this, the sooner we'll move on. To, to greater things, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to turn to uh, 1 Samuel, chapter 13. I'm going to read it. I've got a, I'm, I'm reading it out of a, a translation called the Christian Standard Bible just because it's easier to read. <laughs> All right, 1 Samuel, chapter 13, and, and verse 8. I just got to find it. All right, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a back a story here. So Saul has just recently been anointed king over Israel by Samuel, the first king of Israel. Um, and he's immediately in a situation, he's immediately in a bit of a, like, a, a scary place um, where the, the Philistine army want to take out Israel, um, their, their long-standing enemy. And... Um, and so here is Saul, who's just been appointed king. He's now taken on this whole new life of responsibility that he's never had to have before. There's a lot of pressure on him. There is like a situation and a circumstance which is concerning him. And he's been instructed by the prophet who anointed him through the word of God, Samuel, to wait in this specific location. 
and he's going to see him at this time, and they're going to give a, a, a sacrifice um, to God, and, and they're seeking him. And so they, that's his instructions. That's the word of the Lord for, for Saul in this context and in this situation. All right, so we'll take it from there. Um, so he waited seven days for the appointed time that Samuel had set. But Samuel didn't come to Gilgal. Now, excuse my uh, uh, pronunciations of these other words because I do not speak ancient uh, Aramaic or Hebrew, whatever it used to be written in, so I can't pronounce the words very well. I can barely speak English sometimes. So. But Samuel didn't come to Gilgal, and the troops were deserting him. So his army was starting to get discouraged, and he, his situation went from bad to worse. So Saul said... Bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offering. And he offered the burnt offering. Just as he finished offering the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. So Saul went out to greet him. And Samuel asked, What have you done? Saul answered, When I saw that the troops were deserting me, and you didn't come within the appointed days, and the Philistines were gathering at that word. <laughs> Mikamash, Mikmash, I thought the Philistines will now descend on me at Gilgal, and I haven't sought the Lord's favor, so I forced myself to offer the burnt offering. He's stepping into his own wisdom here. Samuel said to Saul, You have been foolish. You have not kept the command the Lord God gave you. It was at this time that the Lord would have permanently established your reign over Israel. But now your reign will not endure. The Lord has found a man after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not done what the Lord had commanded. And so he's in a situation, he's in a pickle, things are going from bad to worse. And he takes matters into his own hand instead of planting himself on the word of God, on the instruction of the Lord uh, and, and the Holy Spirit. And what happens is the Lord des- decides that he is not fit to be king because he's not a man after my own heart. And then we learn later on in, in, in the Bible that there, the man after his own heart was, was King David. And what we learn about King David all through the Psalms is he had a heart that would wait on the Lord, that would seek the Lord, that would put 100% of his confidence and his trust in the Lord, no matter what the circumstances around him looked like, no matter what the situation, David turned to the Lord, not in, not in, and not in his own wisdom or in his own strength. And so um, in Psalm 20, yeah, just God gave me that example and I really felt to, to go there. I was thinking about kind of just standing up here and being silent for ages and, and, and allowing people to get awkward and uncomfortable <laughs> and, and, and just give you an example of sometimes that's what it can be like when you wait. Like, this is, this is un- what's going on. What, why isn't anything happening? Has he forgotten his message? Like, but I didn't do it. <laughs> uh, Psalm 25.5, escort me along the way. Take me by the hand and teach me, O God, of my increasing salvation. I have wrapped my heart into yours all day long. So what we're doing now is we're going to learn what it looks like to wait, okay? 
Psalm 25.5 has scored me along the way. And this is the man who had the heart after God's heart. Take me by the hand and teach me, O God, of my increasing salvation. I have wrapped my heart into yours all day long. And so there's a note. I think this is the, so I got these notes from, from LJ. She was going to come up and share this, but because she's got the baby to deal with, I just thought I'd just take her notes and share it on her behalf. And, and there's a note attached to this scripture. I think it's in the Passion Translation. And in the note referring to this scripture, the Hebrew word most commonly translated as wait or wait upon the Lord is kavah, which also means kavah spelled Q-A-V-A-H, which also means to tie together by twisting, entwine or wrap tightly. And so in this scripture, O God, my increasing salvation, I have wrapped my heart into yours all day long. What's David doing? He's waiting. And so it means to tie together by twisting and twine or wrap tightly. This is a beautiful concept of waiting upon God, not as something passive, but entwining our hearts with Him and His purpose. So what we're already starting to see about waiting is it's not necessarily in the action, but it's in the position of your heart. It's not about sitting there twiddling your thumbs. It's not just about praying. It's not about this... The, the, the things that we do, it's a position of the heart. And so waiting on the Lord is a heart thing, which is why when God appointed David over Saul to be king, he described him as a man after my own heart because David had a waiting heart. You see, God can do miracles with one that will wait. <laughs> Jesus. Kavar means to wait actively with anticipation. Hopefully watching for God to act. Isaiah 40, 31. Those who kavar upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. This isn't sitting back on your hands kind of waiting, testing your patience as you passively watch the clock. This is an active, eager, and expectant waiting. So there's like this sense of something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Waiting is faith-filled. It is a hopeful anticipation and eagerness to see what God is going to do. And it is characterized by activity, not passivity. And when I'm talking about activity, I'm talking about like an active heart, an active like expectancy. So I heard of an example to explain Kavar. Um, a man had twin boys. When he arrived home from work, the boys would already be in their cots. He would walk down the hallway toward their rooms. A certain floorboard would creak under his weight and the twins would hear it. They would each stand in his cot, hold on the, to the top of the railing and crane their necks <laughs> to see daddy come through the door at last. That's Kavar. And so these little ones have like learnt the signs. They learnt the seasons. They learnt what to expect and what to look out for. When they heard that sound, when they, when they heard that sound, they knew daddy's on his way. Daddy's about to come into my room. How good is that? And so that's waiting. So when we begin to see these circumstances and these situations that we find ourselves in, 
the, and there, I just got this impression while I was preparing for this, man. This is a word for now. I know that there, there's people and there's stuff going on and you're, you're, you need a miracle. You need the intervention of, you, you need wisdom. You need to step into that fulfilled promise. There's stuff going on. And, 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 and I just got that sense of it. And, and yeah. I just felt to share that right there. There's, there's stuff going on. There's, there's like, you need this, your miracle. And, and while I was preparing it, and God's saying, this is the way. This is the way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What delight, Matthew 5, 4, what delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord? For you'll find what you long for. Um. And as, a trans, as translated from the Amorite word for comfort, um, I can't even begin to say that word, but I'll give it a go. Neth <laughs> which means to see the face of what you long for. The Greek is they shall be comforted. That's what delight comes to the one who waits. You shall see the face of what you long for. Hallelujah. Waiting is, is the Psalm 91 secret place. He, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. And, and that same, that sentence under the, abides under the shadow of the Almighty, this is incredible. It, it also can be translated, perseveres th- through the darkness of night. He who dwells in the secret place, he who abides, sorry, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High perseveres through the darkness of night. (laughs) I like that. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High perseveres through the darkness of of night. So waiting is a position of the heart, a heart that has affectionately bound itself to God's heart. Waiting is communion with God. And in the waiting, we learn how to trust. And I, I learned, like, I got born again because I stumbled on waiting. I got born again because I, I discovered what it looked like to wait on God. I, I call it the secret place. And what we need to do is we need to actively and intentionally wait on God, wait on the Lord. And that just simply looks like this. If you need something practical to tie to this, it just means take a moment to remember Him. Take a moment to be delighted by Him. To be delighted by Him. Take a moment. to, To recognize and to remember that you're in his presence. Take a moment in his presence. You know, all through the love, man, David got the secret of waiting. All through Psalms, what would he say? Pause and reflect in his presence. That's waiting. Pause and reflect in his presence. And so if you would wait on the Lord, if you would put aside a moment in the midst of, all your busyness in the midst of all your other options, if you would wait for a moment on the Lord, position your heart so that you're craving Him, craving His presence. And, and you, we don't, when we crave the presence of God, we're not like hoping that He comes because He's there. We're, we're just like we're delighting in Him. If you would take a moment, you would actually begin to learn to trust. And I'm going to quickly go into trust because I'm quickly running out of time. 
And um, as I was reflecting and, 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 and uh, meditating on, on what it's like to trust in God, um, the, the scripture, faith, hope, and love, these three abide, and, and the greatest of those is love, came to mind. And, and trust is like faith, hope, and love. Trust embodies faith, hope, and love. And, and so it's like a three-quarter sentence. It's, it's faith, hope, and love. Faith, the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hope, the confident expectation of promises fulfilled. Hope is the confident expectation of promises fulfilled. It's not, oh, I hope this happens. That would be really nice. No, that's called wishful thinking. And it's not kingdom. We don't need wishful thinking because we have hope. And hope doesn't disappoint. It's confident expectation. It's craning your neck around the corner to see daddy come into the room because you heard the voice and you know it's on his way. Hope. Confident expectation of promises fulfilled. And love. Not your love, but his love towards you. His love towards you inspires trust. Sitting in the knowledge that you are loved by your father awakens faith and hope. Um, Me and LJ, like, around November last year, we started to hear the Lord speak to us about trust. And it kept coming at us from all these different angles. Like um, LJ would, would see a scripture and it would explode in her spirit. And then she would read, like, uh, have an interaction with someone in our family. It all came from, in, from people in our family. So it just like we believe that there was something on that as well. And, um, and so like the, the, there'd be circumstances, situations, and I'd come and read a scripture, and I was like, wow, God's speaking to me to us about trust, 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 trust. It just kept coming up and up and up. And then one day we were driving in the car, and, and out of nowhere, our, our oldest daughter, who's only three years old and at the time would have been uh, two, two not, not yet three, all of a sudden she starts saying, trust me, no, trust completely. Trust completely, completely. And just she starts saying this word. It's so cute hearing her say completely because she could get it out perfectly, but it was really cute coming out of her mouth. But me and LJ were just like, what the heck is going on? Out of nowhere, she like, like ecstatically was saying, trust completely, completely, completely. And we're like, what is going on? And me and LJ just like absolutely shocked. We're like, oh my goodness. And out of the mouth of babes, hey. And, and she just started prophesying over the family. And, and we saw like, and, and we learned in this, in, this, in this time that trust is a full surrender again. Like waiting is a surrender. Trust is a full surrender again. Um, where am I there? Psalm 37, verses 3 to 7. Keep trusting in the Lord. Do what is right in his eyes. Fix your heart. Listen to this. Fix your heart on the promises of God. How do you trust Fix your heart on the promises of God, not on the situation. And you will dwell in the land, feasting on his faithfulness. Find your delight and true pleasure in Yahweh, and he will give you what you desire the most. And it's interesting that as you learn to wait and as you learn to trust, what you begin to desire most is him. 
<laughs> and he will give you him and all that he has. Give God the right to direct your life. Give God the right to direct your life. I just want that one to sink in. Give God the right to direct your life. Have you given God the right to direct your life? And as you trust him along the way, you'll find he pulled it off perfectly. <laughs> he will appear as your righteousness, as sure as the dawning of a new day. That's what hope is. Again, as sure as the dawning of the new day. This is what hope looks like. I hope the sun will rise today. How many of you know the sun's going to rise? Even if it's obscured by clouds, the sun's going to rise. That's what hope is. As sure as the dawning of a new day, he will manifest as your justice, which means he's going to fight your battle. As sure and strong as the noonday sun, quiet your heart in the presence, in his presence, and wait patiently for God, for Yahweh. That's awesome. That's Psalm 37, verses 3 to 7. Psalm 13, verses 2. I'm humbled and quietened in your presence, like a contented child that rests on its mother's lap. I'm resting, I'm, I'm resting, I'm your resting child, and my soul is content in you. People of God, your time has come to quietly trust, waiting upon the Lord now and forever. Hallelujah. And so when we wait, what happens is we begin to learn who he is. We begin to, 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 to learn who he is and, and experience him. And that builds trust. And, and, and when we trust, what happens is we begin to relax. We begin to relinquish control, which is that scripture here. Give God the right to direct your life. You begin to relinquish control when you trust because you know that he's trustworthy. I'm going to trust God to manage my life more than I can manage my own life. LJ says this all the time. He's, he's got the most informed perspective. The most informed perspective. I, I think that someone with the most informed perspective is trustworthy, even when it doesn't look like it's all working out. Can you trust him? And then the rest. And this is like the, the part that excites me the most. And, and I've referred to this a few times. I'm going to read it again. Um, there, there was a prophet who's now passed, and, and his name was Bob Jones. And, and he gave this 100-year prophecy. And in his 100-year prophecy, um, God was showing him what he would be releasing into the church through the decades. And he went through and he's like the, 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 the miracles of God and, 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 the, and the prophets of God and, and, and the word of God and all these things that, that God was bringing the church into, um, taking them from one degree of glory to another, raising sons and daughters. That's what he's doing. 
and he gets to the, the, the decade of the 2020s, what we're in now. The 2020s will reveal the rest of God. This is the most exciting prophetic word I've ever read. This excites me so much. To where the body will come into a place of resting in God, where God will rest in us. And in this rest, are you ready for this? The enemy will not be able to do warfare because we are resting in God and he is resting in us. You know what that is? That's called the table. That's the table. He sets before you a table in the presence of your enemies. When are animals like the most vulnerable when they're at like at the, the lake drinking water or when they're eating food? But in God, in the rest, we're so at rest, we're at the table, at our most vulnerable because he's our defender. So warfare, because we are resting, God is resting us, and he will accomplish the things he means to do in a people that is at rest. He has always wanted a people that will come into his rest. There, has, there never has been one, but rest is on the way. And so church, we're learning how to, what it looks like to enter into the rest of God and to be at rest, to live from the table, to live from that place of victory. But we don't fight our battles anymore because God's fighting on our behalf. And that doesn't mean that we don't pray. That doesn't mean that we don't intercede. That doesn't mean that we don't do the things. But the, thing, the difference is, is we do it from a place of rest. We do it from a place of the Holy Spirit has instructed my heart and so I do it. I'm not trying to force a situation. I'm not Saul over here trying to make a sacrifice to try and like keep my soldiers from running away and trying to like trying to force an issue, trying to force a solution in my own wisdom and in my own strength. I'm sitting at the table even though I'm surrounded by all my enemies and everything is okay. God is fighting on my behalf and now the enemy can't do a thing about you. You're untouchable. You're untouchable. Hallelujah. That's the rest of God. That's the table. And so the, what I've found is that the, uh, where am I here? Rest is like Psalm 23 is, is, talks about where he sets a table for you in the presence of the enemy. That is a psalm of rest. That's what rest looks like. Psalm 23. Rest is like a complete surrender. All your resistance has come to an end. All your efforts to control have been abandoned. Your walls and defenses are now down. You're not on guard. You're at rest. And you don't get to a place of rest if you don't get to a place of trust. And you don't get to a place of trust if you don't get to a place of waiting and quiet. And so there's like a, there's like a, there's a way, man. There's a way forward. There's a way into this place. And it's super exciting. So this is the common denominator in wait, trust, rest. And that's surrender. In every, in every single one, there is a surrender that takes place. There's a letting go and there's a giving up to God. So in wait, we surrender our anxieties. We surrender our concerns and the problems over to the Father. In trust, 
we surrender our solutions, our will and our ideas to his wisdom and to his kindness. And in the place of rest, we have surrendered our efforts, our safety, our convenience and our lives into his care. Isn't that awesome? And this is going to be important when the church starts to be the church that is walking fully in their purpose and their destiny. This is going to be so important in the times to come. You know, people like Heidi Baker and, and um, who's heard of like David Hogan? Have you guys heard of these kinds of people? Have, and, and some of the, the, the miracles that they talk about that they've experienced but guess what? They've needed them. You know what's happened with them is they've gotten themselves into a position where they have no other option. It's like either God's going to come through or I'm going to die. And I'm okay with that. That is their heart and that's their position. Either God comes through or he doesn't and I'm okay with that. And God comes through. Because they make him their only option. Over here, we have so many options. But you know what? That's just an opportunity. It's not a, it's not a, uh, what's it, it's not like a, a, like a, it doesn't take away. It's actually an opportunity. It's like, because like they, they are in situations where they don't actually have another option. And they've probably learnt the secret so well that even if they did, they wouldn't choose it. But here we have all these options and all these different opportunities, but it's not all these different, but it's not, a, 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 um, what's the word? It's not like, it's not a disadvantage because that means that we get to choose him in the midst of all these options. And you know what that's called? That's called worship. That's called praise. That has its own, like, own impartation of faith. That has its own, like, uh, that attracts its own set of miracles, I believe. When we decide that he is going to be our option, not like, not, not like maybe number, number five somewhere down the list because the other ones didn't quite work out. It's like this is my option. He is my option. He is my solution because I trust him, because he's worthy. And guess what? Miracles victories, encounters. Isn't that exciting? And so I've just written this at, at, the, at the very end. The purpose of this word isn't so that we can learn how to have a trouble-free life. It's not about having a trouble-free life because that's not the gospel. The gospel promises it. If there is no opposition, you're probably doing it all wrong. <laughs> Your life's probably not scaring hell and that's a problem. Because it's your destiny to disrupt hell and let loose God's kingdom. This word is intended to teach you the secret of enduring when life gets scary and discouragement tries to come. To remain unfazed, unshaken, undeterred and uncompromised. That's what wait, trust, rest is. Awesome. So we just thank you so much, Father, that you are dependable, that you are faithful. When we wait on you, you come. 
and you reveal yourself and you fill us with the revelation of who you are and it just changes us completely. And we just thank you for that even now. And we thank you, Lord God, that there has never been one more trustworthy than you in the history of all the world. And that there is not a situation, there is not a circumstance that we cannot depend on you, that we cannot trust you for. And we thank you, Father, that in the midst of all our circumstances, you make for us a table in the presence of all of our enemies and we can be completely at rest, completely at ease as we sit back and we watch the victory unfold before our eyes as you fight the battle on our behalf. We just thank you right now, Holy Spirit, that, that you're, you're teaching us and you're bringing us into a place of, of rest, of waiting and of trusting. Thank you, Lord. Awesome.